Well, good morning, Midtown. It's certainly good to be with you again, uh, even though we would love to be with you in person. Here we find ourselves, once again, uh, coming through video uh, to you. And we're going to use Scripture to call us to worship this morning because what that does for us is it allows us really to peek our head uh, into heaven. If just for an hour or an hour and a half, uh, and I know what you're thinking, Daryl, it doesn't feel like heaven in this living room. Uh, the kids are yelling. The dogs are barking. There's people doing donuts outside. But what we know is that what God has promised us uh, is a home with him. And what he's promised us ultimately is to be our comfort, uh, that he has said that he is who we run to uh, in times of trouble. And that's certainly where we find ourselves this morning. So let us uh, read and hear this call to worship from Psalm 46 uh, to hear what God has for us this morning. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place where the Most High dwells, God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. The nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let us worship together. Midtown, let's sing together. And let's take courage that even though everything around us is uncertain, that we have a God who is alive, that he has conquered the world, and we can take comfort in him. I believe in the sun. I believe in the risen one. I believe I overcome by the power of his blood. I'm alive. 
thank you that you have not left us as orphans, that you have come to us and you have said, do not be afraid. Take heart. You have many troubles in this world, but I have overcome the world. So Lord, give us courage to put our hope, to put our trust in you. Lord, that you have our life, our future in your hands. Lord, would you lead us now? Speak to us through your word, we pray. Amen. Hey, good morning, Midtown. Uh, it's good uh, to spend some time getting in the Word this morning. Uh, the Lord makes it really clear that we desperately need uh, His Word. It's a lamp for us. Uh, it's a light for us. It's a guide for us. And so uh, let's dive right in. This is 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm. Because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. This is the Lord's Word. So we've been looking uh, this summer at the prayers of Paul. Uh, we've been leaning into how he prays, what he prays for, and we've really been asking the Lord, would you allow Paul's prayers to help us examine, uh, to grow, to mature in our own prayer life? Uh, there are a lot of things that have been restricted in this season uh, but this certainly is not one uh, that we really need help shaping our prayer life in this time. And we've said this, that prayer is one of the primary ways, uh, even though it's often, it's an unexplored way, it's one of the primary ways that God has given us to experience Him and to bring ourselves and our hearts to Him to receive what we need. Prayer is kind of like that gift that Chevy Chase hid up in the chimney in Christmas vacation. 
that, that he doesn't even know is there, but then when he discovers it, it transports him into a completely different place. And so this prayer, uh, it's really a prayer of praise, this prayer in 2 Corinthians 1 of, of Paul praising and kind of extolling God. It's really a prayer, and if, if you followed along in what I read, it's a prayer about comfort, the comfort that he gives us in sufferings and afflictions. Comfort is said there nine times, sufferings and afflictions or distressed is said seven times. And it says here in verse three that he's the father of compassion and he's the God of all comfort. So this is super practical for us right now because this season undoubtedly has affected everyone's comfort on some level. I could, I could go through a list and I probably couldn't get to the end of the list uh, to talk about all the ways that uh, we have been uh, uncomforted, discomforted. I don't even know if that's a word. Our comfort has been challenged in this season. Uh, and a lot of the things that add up to my comfort, my personal comfort, uh, have, been, have been compromised right now. And so I've been thinking a lot, just even in my initial study of this passage, just thinking a lot about that word comfort. Uh, there's no doubt, uh, I think you could make the argument that we, uh, we might be the most comfortable generation in the history of the world, uh, and that we are in a comfort-obsessed culture. Uh, I love comfort. Comfort is king. Um, I mean, most of our marketing, even for all of our products, it's one of the main things. Uh, I, I put a belt on this morning. It's the first time I haven't worn elastic uh, in, in weeks because it's been so great to be comfortable, Right. We have the most comfortable clothes, uh, or the most comfortable sneakers. I had a friend who had some, some on-cloud shoes on the other day. I said, what are those shoes? He said, they're on-clouds. They feel like you're walking on clouds, right? I don't know what that even means, that you're walking on clouds. But I think the pinnacle of this, uh, I saw a commercial the other day that was basically selling me on, this is the most comfortable mattress. There's a lot of competition in the mattress world. And uh, they said that you can sleep on this mattress for a hundred days, and if it's not the most comfortable mattress, uh, you can return it. So they, they sell you on it's the most comfortable mattress. They make it really comfortable because there's, there's no uh, risk of losing your money because you can sleep on it for a hundred days. I don't know what they do with these things. What do you do with a mattress that you sleep on for a hundred days? But you can get your money back, so that's super comfortable. But, but here's how deep it goes, I think. That they're banking on your commitment, my commitment, to comfort, that the discomfort of having to return a mattress, it's going to be so uncomfortable to have to do that, that it prevents me from returning it, and I'm just going to do the comfortable thing and either buy another one or just deal with it, right? They're playing our love of comfort against us. Enough about mattresses. Uh, back to the passage. So when we read this passage and we look at it, um, and just a surface level reading, um, I actually, I, I like this idea. I, I kind of naturally like this idea, the idea that God is the comforter, that God is, is wanting to bring comfort, and that feels familiar to me. And it's, if I'm honest with myself, when my comfort is at stake, when I'm distressed, or when I'm in trouble, or when I'm suffering, that's often when I pray more readily. Oftentimes those prayers really just take the form of complaining. I can't remember who said this. One of our pastors said this maybe one time, that, that complaining is the lowest form of prayer. Uh, but when, I'm, when my comfort's at stake and I'm distressed, I, I pray more readily. 
And I, I like this idea about God, that, that He's about bringing me comfort and my comfort. Um, but we really have to, and we'll get into this here in a second, we have to look at what does that actually mean? You know, there are many strains of Christian thought, many churches even, that promote a sort of prosperity gospel that says, you know, basically that God wants exactly what I want for me, and He wants it how I want it for me. And so prayer is just me verbalizing our agreed-upon desires. Is that what Paul's talking about here? Is that the kind of comfort that he's talking about? Is that the kind of comfort that we actually truly need? Or is it something different? Is it possible that I'm asking for, or many times expecting a type of comfort that I'm actually not promised right now? And all the while, I'm missing the comfort that's available to me and that is promised to me right now. So let's dive back in uh, to this, this praise prayer uh, to really learn what is, what is Paul getting at when he's talking about comfort, okay? So let's look uh, in verse 4. It says this, and this is the first thing I want us to see in here, is this. It says, you know, praise, this is verse 3, praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. First thing is this, is that He comforts us in our troubles, not in spite of our troubles. So that statement alone challenges oftentimes my very definition of comfort right out the gate. Like when I was first studying this, I was, I was reading it on my phone, and I actually I clicked on the word comfort, and I guess our phones do this, I, I learned this while I did it, that it brought up a definition for the word comfort. And it brought up the Oxford definition for the word comfort. And when I looked on the Oxford definition, they had a lot of different definitions that were available. But this is the one that my phone pulled up when I clicked on it. And it said this, a state of physical and material well-being with freedom from pain and trouble and satisfaction of bodily needs, the condition of being comfortable. When I clicked on my phone, that's what it said comfort is. And I, I think we could, we could all probably nod our heads and argue this is, this is the definition, the practical, functional definition that we have been steeped in, right? That the focus of comfort and the, the kind of comfort that we're really after is really just about me oftentimes and my pleasure and my ease, my satisfaction, my freedom from pain and trouble. And yet, if you followed along in the prayer of praise here, He's saying that the aim of Paul's prayer is for comfort that seems to be very, very different than that. When you look at the word comfort in this text, in the biblical text, it comes, it's a word parakalesis, it comes from the word parakaleo, which is the root word that is used for the actual uh, way that we describe the Holy Spirit in Scripture, the way that the Holy Spirit is described, that He's an advocate. The Holy Spirit comes to bring encouragement to bring aid, it really means to come along one side and to bring comfort and consolation in trouble, not in spite of it. John 14 through 16, Jesus describes this right before he's basically headed to the cross and he's, he's about to leave. And he tells you know, the disciples, I'm going to ask the Father and he's going to give you another advocate. That's that word there, the comforter, the parakaleo, to come be with you forever, the spirit of truth. And he says, the world can't accept him, but you know him. He lives with you and will be in you. 
All of this I have spoken with you, or spoken while I'm with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So the comfort Paul is talking about here, the word that he's using and the meaning of that word, he's not talking about the removal of trouble, smooth sailing. He's talking about the comfort of a compassionate relationship in the midst of trouble. The Holy Spirit who comes alongside you in the middle of all of the difficulty and says you're not alone. We see this absolutely typified. It's in Technicolor or HD, God's character being the Father of mercies and the God of all compassion and the God of all comfort. We see this fully in the person and work of Jesus Christ and His life and His death and His resurrection, His passion for us. He went to the cross and He stepped into our suffering with and for us. He stepped into our biggest trouble, right? Our biggest affliction, which was sin and its effects and its penalties. He stepped into that for us and with us. And the Lord chose that for him. He said, I will be implicated in your suffering and I will suffer for you so that I can be a comfort to you. So Jesus, he, he makes it really, really clear in, that, in those passages in John. In this world, you will have trouble. Paul says it here in verse 5. We are and will share in the sufferings of Christ. As Christians, sufferings will flow into our lives. And Paul even says it really clear here that he's the God of all comfort for all the troubles that we will face and all of the difficulty that comes with being a human being in a fallen and a broken world and trying to follow the Lord in the midst of all of that. The Lord has comfort for us in all of those troubles. His comfort is broad enough to encompass and step into everything that we are facing. Jesus faced so much incomparable difficulty. And he's saying here, Christian, you're going to face difficulty. It's to be expected. And the only thing, I know this about me, the only thing that makes a difficult situation, and we are in some difficult times, the only thing that makes a difficult situation harder than the difficulty itself is the added pain and grief that I'm not supposed to have any of this in my life. Paul is saying here that if you're a child of God, if you're a Christian, if you're a son and daughter of King Jesus and of this Father suffering troubles, distress, these things are to be expected. But they actually, they serve something. They're, they're painful, but they're not pointless. But if I don't accept it, if I don't accept that, that he wants to bring comfort in the trouble, not in spite of it, then I can't accept that comfort. So the first thing, he wants to comfort us in our troubles, not in spite of them. Yes, they're painful, but they're not pointless. So what's the point? Well, Paul goes on to say that in verse 4. The second thing, what does he say? He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. He goes on to explain how that works, right? Or kind of restate that. He comforts us so that we actually can be advocates. We can be vehicles uh, by which we bring that same comfort into the lives of others. 
And so the focus, really the, the focus of the comfort in this, in this prayer praise is this. It's not about me, and it's not about my comfort. The comfort that Paul is, is praising God for, and he's saying this is the aim of the comfort, is that I've received it so that I can purposefully pass it on to others through me. He wants to give me comfort to give other people comfort. You see how the focus is entirely different than when I click on the Oxford definition of comfort, right? It propels me actually into the lives of others in order to give out of and to be what I've received in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the trouble. Emily and I, Emily's my wife. I'm just assuming that you all know that. Emily and I were talking the other day about this very idea, and I was asking her as we were thinking about it, you know, where have we seen this uh, in our lives? And um, we were recalling um, about a handful of years ago, my wife's um, arguably her best friend, uh, her college roommate, uh, she was, you know, uh, in our wedding, uh, died uh, at age 32 of leukemia and uh, left behind uh, a husband and three little girls. And it was uh, a couple year struggle. Uh, it was very long and very drawn out and rounds and rounds of chemo, rounds and rounds of traveling to MD Anderson and uh, the Cleveland Clinic in Ohio. And um, certainly... Uh, throughout that time, we prayed uh, uh, pretty relentlessly uh, for Allie's healing. And um, but something began to change uh, over uh, the course of Allie's sickness uh, to where Allie actually began to pray for more than her healing. And she began to ask us, would you pray for something different than just my healing? You can pray for that, but would you pray for this? And she prayed this, and it's, it's what Paul's talking about here. She said, that, would you pray that God would use my suffering redemptively in the lives of other people? And throughout the rest of that time and all of her sickness and all of the nurses and the doctors that she interacted with, um, there's a huge blog uh, that she wrote, which was just a testimony to the fact that God used her and her sufferings to bring healing to so many people as she was going to her death. And the Lord comforted her uh, even as she headed to death. Uh, he drew very, very near to her, but he also did something else because she was open to it, and it was this. He brought comfort and salvation to other people. He didn't just draw near to her. He used her suffering to draw near to other people. Her suffering was incredibly painful. Uh, but it was not pointless. It was incredibly redemptive in the hands of God because she, she bought into what Paul's talking about here is, is that, that there's comfort available that can flow through me into the lives of others, even in the midst of my suffering and my affliction, if I'm open to it. So what that changes about our prayer is what? Prayer then changes in suffering, right? We're in a season of suffering. Chair, or prayer changes in a season of suffering from simply take this away or only take this away. It's not wrong to want it to go away, but it, it, it changes from just take it away to also, would you make it away? I'm just take it away. Would you actually make it a way that I can be a vehicle for comfort for those who are also suffering? And this is 
a real picture of what Jesus prayed in Gethsemane, right? He prayed what first? Take it away. If you take this cup from me, but then he said, not my will, but yours be done. And he's basically effectively saying, if you're not going to take it away, would you make it away? Would you make it away so that I can be the way, the truth, and the life? I'm, I'm going to make my very sacrifice the way that the comfort that you desperately need can come into your life. The hope that you desperately need can come into your life. So prayer changes. It's not just take it away, but it, would you make it away? Would you comfort me in the midst of this suffering so that I can bring to others what the Lord has brought to me? And what does the Lord promise to bring to us? He doesn't promise to bring us um, you know, e the easiest of days all the time, but He always promises us this, that I'm going to bring you myself, I'm going to bring you my presence, I'm going to remind you and apply the truth of what I've said and who I am and who you are to your heart. I'm going to bring my promises. I'm going to bring the hope and the confidence of those things to the surface of your life and the strength of those promises into the present difficulty. And when he does that, what happens, it's something profoundly transformative, is, is that I actually begin to smell like Jesus in the middle of trouble, right? I begin to live into what we, we've said many times here, Christ in me, the hope of glory, the confidence of glory. I become the aroma of Christ, like 2 Corinthians 2.15 says. So a big part of the, of the why here, Paul's saying, yes, he comforts us in our trouble, but the why is so that we can comfort others in theirs. And I think this is why this, this praise prayer is so radical and rare, because the focus of the comfort isn't me. I'm not at the center of it. When we think of comfort, it's almost exclusively a personal proposition. But Jesus is bringing a comfort that allows me to bring comfort to others who are in discomfort, which means this, I'm going to risk my temporary personal comfort for the good and the needs of others. You see how it works? I don't just seek my own good, but for the good of other people. And I bear His image in that way. We share in His sufferings, and as we do that, we're brought into the comfort that is available in Him, and therefore we can imitate His selfless love. We have received, and so we're blessed to give. And the God who loved so much that He gave, we become the givers who mirror that God to the world around us. So this, this praise prayer teaches us that He comforts us in, not in spite of our troubles, and He comforts us so that we may be bringing comfort to others. And what that eventually looks like is this. This is what it looks like in the life of a Christ follower. That I become comfortably uncomfortable. That sounds kind of confusing, right? I live in the world as somebody who's comfortably uncomfortable. That my own personal comfort isn't my goal. That I actually... I know what it means to live with longing and unfulfilled desire, that my comfort isn't the aim of my life, but that my life serves a greater purpose than my own personal comfort. Paul goes on later in this passage to talk about some of his own story, and he says this, I don't want you to be uninformed. So he's basically saying, uh, hey, y'all, this is really, really tough, right? Brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced, this is my... Paul's story, he's saying, in the province of Asia. Listen to how he describes this. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. 
so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we had felt we had received a sentence of death. I mean, that's about as dark as you can describe it, right? A death sentence, despairing of life beyond my ability to endure. But here's what Paul says. But this happened, right? Randy always says it to us. We, we live after the but. But this happened, what? That we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. That we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Now that's a description. What Paul is saying is saying, I'm, I'm comfortably uncomfortable because I serve and walk with and rely on a God who can actually raise the dead. He's got that kind of power, that kind of hope and that kind of confidence and that kind of peace because of his presence with me. And I've been meditating on that, that last little bit that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. And I want to ask us this question as I kind of bring this to a close. What if the church believed that right now? Like that as we're experiencing great pressure and we're being pushed beyond our ability to endure and that maybe even some of us are despairing of life itself and feel like this is a death sentence. What if we, we picked up what Paul said in prayer and we said, we don't know all the reasons why this is happening and we're not going to presume that and we shouldn't, but I know this and I believe this, that God has this in my life that I might rely and hope in Him and not in myself. What if we believe that? What if we, what if we prayed and asked God, would you make that true in our lives? That, that I might rely on the risen Jesus right now, and therefore I'm bringing the power of the God who raises the dead, the power of the resurrection into the present, instead of bringing what I often bring to the present, which is my fear of the future. My fear of what I don't know and what I believe might be to come. I mean, a lot of our discomfort is the fear of the future discomfort you know, I've heard, I've said it, and I've heard a lot of people saying this, how long, how long is this going to last? It's not just the discomfort of today, it's the fear of future discomfort that I bring into my present difficulty, and I take and make what's already difficult today, and I make it near impossible. Because I'm, I'm bringing in future fear and future pain instead of the paraclete, instead of the Holy Spirit, Instead of the peace and the presence and the power of God and the comfort that's available to me through Him, who brings His power and peace into my present, into my present trouble. What if we believed that God has us in this place because He's trying to teach us to not rely on ourselves but on Him? So Midtown, um, we have no idea how long this is going to last. Um, it's already uh, affected things that we never thought would be affected. Um, it's incredibly difficult. It's incredibly distressing. It's incredibly troublesome. Uh, I was talking with a couple of friends the other day on our back porch, and they said that, you know, subconsciously even, they were thinking, well, when we get to the summer. And then they said, well, you know, now when we get to the fall. 
And now it's, you know, kind of the signs are what, you know, like I can't wait for 2020 to be over, right? And maybe what God's trying to do right now, at least part of what he's trying to do for us as believers, is trying to say to us that the comfort that you need isn't on the horizon of COVID-19 going away. The comfort that you need, it's right in your lap. It's me. It's my presence. It's my promises. It's the fact that I'm with you, and I want to bring you comfort in the midst of this trouble. And would we dare to pray? Would we dare to believe? Would we dare to stop wishing away the days only for another day? But receive that this is the day, right? This is the day that our sovereign Lord has made for us. And would we allow him to rejoy our hearts, rejoice and be glad in the day that he's given us, because it's a day that, that undoubtedly invites us to rely on him. And he's saying, I haven't left you alone to face it. And that horizon that your heart truly longs for, it's, it's bigger than the end of this season or this virus. It's a day to come uh, where there will be no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. And that day is certain to come. So Midtown, uh, my challenge, my, my admonishment, my invitation is, church, let's be those who seek this sort of comfort in this season. The comfort that we are promised in this life through the Holy Spirit. Not the comfort that we're guaranteed one day when we're face-to-face in the new heavens and new earth. We're waiting on that comfort, but we have comfort available to us right now. And will we dare to be agents of this same comfort, sharing out of what He's supplied us in the middle of our troubles? Will we be agents of that same comfort, stepping into a hurting world with something to offer that's that's deeper than short-term solutions, but that's a true saving comfort that anchors us in the midst of storms with a hope that is set and that is firm. All right. I love you guys. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you uh, that you comfort us in the middle of trouble and uh, that you are right with us, that you step into our deepest needs. And that although oftentimes uh, you don't make those go away or they go in, in directions uh, that we didn't anticipate, uh, Lord. We know that we don't go in any direction alone. And so, uh, Lord, will we, uh, will we have eyes and ears uh, to receive hearts to be open to receive the comfort, comfort that you have available to us? And Lord, will we be those uh, who readily give out of that place uh, to a world that's in a lot of pain? Uh, that we would be those who live uh, comfortably uncomfortable in the confidence that we have in you. We love you. Uh, In your name, amen. As we sing this song, um, this song is called Sweet Comfort. I think sometimes when we say things like God is our comfort, sometimes it's hard to know what that means. Um, So really, really sink your teeth into these words uh, as you sing and declare that this is true. God's presence is our comfort, uh, and he won't ever leave us.
Let's read these words together from Isaiah. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. 
each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. As we sing this last song, let's take courage knowing that the Lord has stepped into our discomfort to comfort us, to give us peace, assurance, and hope. And that he's done that so we can step into others' discomfort. So as we sing this, we pray, Lord, would you lead us out? Lead us out into the lives of others. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever sing. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe 
Midtown, uh, Jesus really is our firm foundation, and he really does uh, come to us to comfort us in our pain and in our sorrow so that we can be drawn to those who are hurting and we can be a comfort uh, to the world. And so as we leave, as we uh, end our time of worship, as we go uh, even into uh, the living rooms that we are watching this in, even as we, as we go into the relationships of our very family and of our very uh, roommates and our lives, um, whatever suffering you're in, whatever, uh, whatever pain and sorrow you're carrying, uh, hear again the words of Dave, hear again the words of the gospel that your Jesus draws near to the brokenhearted. And as he draws us into himself, here's the comfort is that we're not alone. We're not alone in our pain. We're not alone in our sorrow. And so we can go and then be the church and dwell with those who are in pain in the world. And so hear now this benediction, receive now this benediction as a promise, not a prayer. There's a promise from Scripture of how the Lord deals with his hurting people. This comes from the book of Hosea, chapter 2. The Lord says, Therefore I am now going to allure her, and I will lead her into the desert, that I might speak tenderly to her there. And there I will give her back her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Accor into a door of hope. For there she will sing as in the days of her youth. For in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and you will no longer call me my master. Midtown, your husband, your King Jesus, is with you in your pain, that we might go and be those that carry the voice of hope to a hurting world. The service has ended. Go in peace. <laughs>